Chapter Six, Book Five of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. Amelia, Volume Two, by Henry Fielding. Chapter Six, in which the reader will find matter worthy his consideration. Amelia, having waited about an hour for her husband, concluded, as he was the most punctual man alive, that he had met with some engagement abroad, and sat down to her meal with her children, which, as it was always uncomfortable in the absence of her husband, was very short, so that, before his return, all the apparatus of dining was entirely removed. Booth sat some time with his wife, expecting every minute when the little maid would make her appearance. At last, curiosity, I believe, rather than appetite, made him ask how long it was to dinner. To dinner, my dear, answered Amelia. Sure you have dined, I hope. Booth replied in the negative, upon which his wife started from her chair and bestirred herself as nimbly to provide him a repast as the most industrious hostess in the kingdom though when some unexpected guest of extraordinary quality arrives at her house the reader had not i think from any passages hitherto recorded in this history had much reason to accuse amelia of a blamable curiosity he will not i hope conclude that she gave an instance of any such fault when upon Booth's having so long overstayed his time, and so greatly mistaken the hour of the day, and upon some other circumstances of his behaviour, for he was too honest to be good at concealing any of his thoughts, she said to him after he had done eating, My dear, I am sure something more than ordinary had happened to-day, and I beg you will tell me what it is booth answered that nothing of any consequence had happened that he had been detained by a friend whom he met accidentally longer than he expected in short he made many shuffling and evasive answers not boldly lying out which perhaps would have succeeded but poorly and vainly endeavouring to reconcile falsehood with truth an attempt which seldom fails to betray the most practised deceiver how impossible was it therefore for poor booth to succeed in an art for which nature had so entirely disqualified him his countenance indeed confessed faster than his tongue denied and the whole of his behaviour gave amelia an alarm and made her suspect something very bad had happened and as her thoughts turned presently on the badness of their circumstances she feared some mischief from his creditors had befallen him for she was too ignorant of such matters to know that if he had fallen into the hands of the philistines which is the name given by the faithful to bailiffs he would hardly have been able so soon to recover his liberty booth at last perceived her to be so uneasy that as he saw no hopes of contriving any fiction to satisfy her he thought himself obliged to tell her the truth or at least part of the truth and confessed that he had had a little squirmish with colonel bat 
in which he said the colonel had received a slight wound not at all dangerous and this says he is all the whole matter if it be so cries amelia i thank heaven no worse had happened but why why my dear will you ever converse with that madman who can embrace a friend one moment and fight with him the next nay my dear answered booth you yourself must confess though he be a little too much on the qui vive he is a man of great honour and good nature tell me not replied she of such good nature and honour as could sacrifice a friend and a whole family to a ridiculous whim oh heavens cried she falling upon her knees for what misery have i escaped from what have these poor babes escaped through your gracious providence this day then turning to her husband she cried but are you sure the monster's wound is no more dangerous than you say a monster surely i may call him who can quarrel with a man that could not that i am convinced could not offend him upon this question booth repeated the assurances which the surgeon had given them perhaps with a little enlargement which pretty well satisfied amelia and instead of blaming her husband for what he had done she tenderly embraced him and again returned thanks to heaven for his safety in the evening booth insisted on paying a short visit to the colonel highly against the inclination of amelia who by many arguments and entreaties endeavoured to dissuade her husband from continuing an acquaintance in which she said she should always foresee much danger for the future however she was at last prevailed upon to acquiesce and booth went to the colonel whose lodgings happened to be in the verge as well as his own he found the colonel in his nightgown and his great chair engaged with another officer at a game of chess he rose immediately and having heartily embraced booth presented him to his friend saying he had the honour to introduce to him as brave and as fortitudinous a man as any in the king's dominions he then took booth with him into the next room and desired him not to mention a word of what had happened in the morning saying i am very well satisfied that no more had happened however as it ended in nothing i could wish it might remain a secret booth told him he was heartily glad to find him so well and promised never to mention it more to any one the game at chess being just just begun and neither of the parties having gained any considerable advantage they neither of them insisted on continuing it and now the colonel's antagonist took his leave and left the colonel and booth together as soon as they were alone the latter earnestly entreated the former to acquaint him with the real cause of his anger for may i perish cries booth if i can never guess what i have ever done to offend either you or your brother colonel james look ye child cries the colonel i tell you i am for my own part satisfied for i am convinced that a man who will fight can never be a rascal and therefore why should you inquire any more of me at present when i see my brother james i hope to reconcile all matters and perhaps no more swords need to be drawn on this occasion but booth still persisting in his desire 
the colonel after some hesitation with a tremendous oath cried out i do not think myself at liberty to refuse you after the indignity i offered you so since you demand it of me i will inform you my brother told me you had used him dishonourable and had debilitated his character behind his back he gave me his word too that he was well assured of what he said what could i have done though i own to you i did not believe him and your behaviour since hath convinced me i was in the right i must either have given him the lie and fought with him or else i was obliged to behave as i did and fight with you and now my lad i leave it to you to do as you please but if you are laid under any necessity to do yourself further justice it is your own fault alas colonel answered booth besides the obligations i have to the colonel i have really so much love for him that i think of nothing less than resentment all i wish is to have this affair brought to an eclaircissement, and to satisfy him that he is in an error for though his assertions are cruelly injurious and i have never deserved them yet i am convinced he would not say what he did not himself think some rascal envious of his friendship for me had vigiled me to him and the only resentment i desire is to convince him of his mistake at these words the colonel grinned horrible a ghastly smile or rather a sneer and answered young gentleman you may do as you please but by the eternal dignity of man if any man breathing had taken a liberty with my character here here mr booth showing his fingers here damn me should be his nostrils he should breathe through my hands and breathe his last damn me booth answered i think colonel i may appeal to your testimony that i dare do myself justice since he who dare draw his sword against you can hardly be supposed to fear any other person but i repeat to you again that i love colonel james so well and i am so greatly obliged to him that it would be almost indifferent to me whether i directed my sword against his breast or my own the colonel muscles were considerable softened by booth's last speech but he again contracted them into a vast degree of fierceness before he cried out boy thou hast reason enough to be vain for thou art the first person that ever could proudly say he gained an advantage over me in combat i believe indeed thou art not afraid of any man breathing and as i know thou hast some obligations to my brother i do not discommend thee for nothing more becomes the dignity of a man than gratitude besides as i am satisfied my brother can produce the author of the slander i say i am satisfied of that damn me if any man alive dares assert the contrary for that would be to make my brother himself a liar i will make him produce his author and then my dear boy your doing yourself proper justice there will bring you finally out of the whole affair as soon as my surgeon gives me leave to go abroad which i hope will be in a few days i will bring my brother james to a tavern where you shall meet us and i will engage your honour my whole dignity to you to make your friends 
the assurance of the coronel gave booth great pleasure for few persons ever loved a friend better than he did james and as for doing military justice on the author of that scandalous report which had incensed his friend against him not bath himself was ever more ready on such an occasion than booth to execute it he soon after took his leave and returned home in high spirits to his amelia whom he found in mrs ellison's apartment engaged in a party at umber with that lady and her right honourable cousin his lordship had it seems had a second interview with the great man and having obtained further hopes for i think there was not yet an absolute promise of success in mr booth's affairs his usual good-nature brought him immediately to acquaint mr booth with it as he did not therefore find him at home and as he met with the two ladies together he resolved to stay till his friend's return which he was assured would not be long especially as he was so lucky he said to have no particular engagement that whole evening we remarked before that his lordship at the first interview with amelia had distinguished her by a more particular address from the other ladies but that how appeared to be rather owing to his perfect good breeding as she was then to be considered as the mistress of the house than from any other preference his present behaviour made this still more manifest for as he was now in mrs ellison's apartment though she was his relation and an old acquaintance he applied his conversation rather more to her than to amelia his eyes indeed were now and then guilty of the contrary distinction but this was only by stealth for they constantly withdrew the moment they were discovered in short he treated amelia with the greatest distance and at the same time with the most profound and awful respect his conversation was so general so lively and so obliging that amelia when she added to his agreeableness the obligations she had to him for his friendship to booth was certainly as much pleased with his lordship as any virtuous woman can possibly be with any man besides her own husband End of chapter six recorded by gabby cowan